Today's episode of the Hashtag Caucusing Podcast Book Club episode number 14, Gender from How to Be an Anti-Racist. Please forgive me. I am dealing with some serious, serious sinus problems and I'm trying to get this done. Um, So it is what it is. We're going to go right ahead. So as always, we start with our definitions. Um, And this chapter is about gender. So gender racism a powerful collection of racist policies that lead to inequity between race genders and are substantiated by racist ideas about race genders. Gender anti-racism, a powerful collection of anti-racist policies that lead to the equity between race genders and are substantiated by anti-racist ideas about race gender. So the first place that I have something um, highlighted is on page 182. And it says, my ideas of gender and sexuality reflected those of my parents. They did not raise me to be a homophobe. They rarely talked about gay and lesbian people. Ideas often dance a cappella. Their silence erased queer existence as thoroughly as integrationists erased the reality of integrated white spaces. My parents did not strictly raise me to be a black patriarch. I became a black patriarch because my parents and the world around me did not strictly raise me to be a black feminist. Nearly one fourth of black families were headed by women, twice the rate for white women. Um, As the media swooned about the broken black family, the Negro community has been forced into a matriarchal structure, which imposes a crushing burden on the black Negro tangled in pathology. Um, This person, um, Mm, I don't, I'm just not going to mess up this last name, Mohinhan, Mohinhan, okay, Uh, I apologize if that is incorrect because I'm 100% sure it's not, I mean it's not correct, Mohinhan called for national action to employ and empower black men who have been emasculated by discriminating, uh, by discrimination in matriarchal black women. Keeping the Negro in his place can be translated as keeping the Negro male in his place. The female is not a threat to anyone. Racist patriarchs from white social scientists to black husbands demanded the submission of black women to uplift the race. A command in Ebony magazine became popular. The immediate goal of the Negro woman today should be the establishment of the strong family unit in which the father is a dominant person. A decade later, black patriarchs and white social scientists were still touting the idea that black men had it worse than black women. Racism had clearly and largely focused on the black man, sociologists argued. An American integrated white spaces had not been achieved because at racism's core was the sexual rejection of the racial minority, the conscious attempts on the part of the majority to prevent interracial cohabitation. The white man's sexual jealousy of the black man was the key. For many black men, the black power movement that emerged after the report became a struggle against white men for power over black women. In spite of everything, mom and dad could not help but join the interracial force policing the sexuality of young black mothers. They were too of the millions 
of liberals and conservatives aghast at the growing percentage of black children being born into single parent households in the 70s and 80s. In time for the midterm elections in 1994, political scientist Charles Murray made sure Americans knew the percentage of black children born into single parent households has now reached 68 percent. And Murray blamed the welfare state. The increasing percentage of black babies born to single parent households was not due to a single black mother having more children, but to married black women having fewer children over the course of the 20th century. And countless Americans were disconnected from the racial reality and left to demonize the class of single mothers. So let me get this. Let me just say this again, because, again, I'm excuse me, I'm bringing breathing out my mouth and talking. So 1994, the social scientists said that um, the percentage of black children born into single family households has now reached 68 percent. And he blamed it on the welfare system when, in fact, the increasing percentage of babies born into single family households was not due to single mothers having more children, but to the but to married black women having fewer children over the course of the 20th century. Okay, so now on page 186, black feminists fought sexism in black spaces and racism in women's spaces. They developed their own spaces and black feminist consciousness for black women, liberation and the liberation of humanity. Black queer activists, too, had been marginalized after they launched the gay liberation movement through the Stonewall Rebellion in Manhattan in 1969, braving homophobia in black spaces and racism in queer spaces. Anti-racist queer people formed their own spaces. Um, and then it talks about the Kamahichi River Co- Collective Settlement Statement embodied queer liberation, feminism, and anti-racism like perhaps no other public statement in American history. They did not want black women to be viewed as inferior or superior to any other race, uh, any other group. To be recognized as human, levelly human is enough. Our politics initially sprang from this shared belief that black women are inherently valuable, they wrote. No other ostensibly progressive movement has ever considered our specific oppression as a priority. We realized that the only people who cared enough about us to work consistently for our liberation are us. So we're getting to your first assignment. It's on page one. It starts on 186, but it's a two parter. Um, So your homework first assignment number one is on page. It starts on page 186 and it's two parts. Part one, find a recent media story that highlights the role black women play in fighting sexism in black spaces and racism in women's spaces and write a critique on how you could support black feminists and black feminism. And part two is find a recent media story that highlights the role black queer activists play at fighting homophobia in black spaces and racism in queer spaces and write a critique on how you could support black queer activists and black queer activism. So now we're going to continue on the page on page 187. The black woman in America can justly be described as a slave of a slave, the victim of a double jeopardy of racism and sexism. These two concepts narrowly interwoven and combined under certain conditions into one hybrid phenomena. Therefore, it is useful to speak of gendered racism. Okay, we're on page 188. 
feminist efforts to politicize experiences of women and anti-racist efforts to politicize experiences of people of color has frequently proceeded as though the issues and experiences they each detail occur in mutually exclusive terrains. Although racism and sexism readily intersect in the lives of real people, they seldom do in feminist and anti-racist practices. Racist and sexist power distinguishes race genders, racial or gender groups at the intersection of race and gender. Let me say that again. That didn't sound right out of my mouth. Racist and sexist power distinguishes race genders and racial and or gender groups at the intersection of race and gender. Women are a gender. Black people are a race. When we identify black women, we are identifying race gender. A sexist policy produces inequalities between men and women and men. A racist policy produces inequalities between racial groups. When a policy produces inequalities between race genders, it is gendered racism or gender racism for short. Okay, so we're going to stop there because um, your second assignment is for uh, page 188. Research gender racism and take some time to develop an understanding that will enable you to engage effectively in conversations and to take action that amplifies women of color, particularly black women who have this unique perspective without centering yourself and while minimizing harm. I'm going to say that again. Uh, assignment number two from page 188, research gender racism and take some time to develop an understanding of how that will enable you to engage effectively in conversations and to take action um, that amplifies women of color, particularly black women who have this unique perspective without centering yourself and while minimizing harm. All right. Now on page 189, actually. So 189, to be anti-racist is to reject not only the hierarchy of races, but of race genders. To be feminist is to reject not only the hierarchy of genders, but race genders. To be truly anti-racist is to be feminist. To be truly feminist is to be anti-racist. To be anti-racist and feminist is to level the different race genders, is to root the inequalities between equal race genders and policies of gender racism. Um, Gender racism was behind the growing number of involuntary sterilizations of black women by eugenicist physicians, 200,000 cases in 1970s, rising to 700,000 in 1980. Gender racism produced a current situation of black women with some collegiate education making less than white women with only high school degrees. Black women having to earn advanced degrees before they can earn more than white women with bachelor's degrees, and the median wealth of single white women being 42000 compared to $100 for a single black... I need to say that again. Black women having to earn advanced degrees before they can earn more than white women with bachelor's degrees, and the median wealth of single white women being $42,000. I said that, $42,000 compared to $100 for single black women. Native women and black women experience poverty at higher rates than any other race group, uh, race gender group. Black and Latinx women still earn the least, while white and Asian men earn the most. Black women are three to four times more likely to die from pregnancy-related causes than white women, 
and black women with advanced degrees are more likely to lose their babies than white women with less than eighth grade education. Black women remain twice as likely to be incarcerated than white women. So your assignment number three is on page 189. To truly be anti-racist is to be a feminist. To truly be a feminist is to be an anti-racist. I see so many individuals with feminists in their social media bios. Ask yourself, am I actively an anti-racist or have I been prioritizing gender? If you have been prioritizing gender, what can you do to expand your understanding and actions to a level of being anti-racist? Um, and I see that in a lot of um, peoples, including um, cisgender men who um, have feminists in their titles, in their bios. Um, are you also... Are you prioritizing gender, which means that white women benefit or white passing women benefit? Or are you equally, equitably prioritizing race? And if you're not, how can you do a better job of that? Okay. Gender racism impacts white women and male groups of color, whether they see it or not. White women's resistance to black feminism and intersectional theory has been self-destructive, preventing resistors from understanding their own oppression. The intersection of racism and sexism, in some cases, oppresses white women. For example, sexist notions of real women as weak and, and racist notions of white women as the idealized woman intersect to produce a gender racist idea that the pinnacle of womanhood is the weak white woman. This is the gender racism that caused millions of men and women to hate the strong white woman running for the president in 2016, Hillary Clinton. Or to give another example, the opposite of gender racism of the non-virtuous hypersexual black woman is the virtuous asexual white woman. And we're seeing that right now. I don't know if you've been paying attention, but go look at Lizzo at the, I don't know what basketball game. And people are making comments about her being in this these pants with their, her ass out and thongs. And they're trying to, you know, play in the game of, oh, this was inappropriate. But it's the fact that she's a fat black woman who gives a fuck about you and your opinions is what people are really mad about. And it's really interesting to see people turn themselves inside out to make a case for this. Because I actually have a friend and she and I have, I, we will not agree on this. Um, because if that had been a Kardashian, had that been Miley Cyrus, had that been some any other skinny white chick... Uh, if that had been Nicki Minaj, people wouldn't have said shit. But if it was because it was a black woman, a fat black woman who just doesn't give a fuck, it's a big issue. And, and it also speaks to how other people want to police our bodies. And I'm just really not for that. Um, so let me read that again. Or to give another example, the opposite of gender racism is the non-virtuous, hypersexual black woman and the virtuous asexual white woman, a racial construct that has constrained and controlled the white woman's sexuality as it nakedly tainted the black woman's sexuality um, as unrapeable. White male interest in lynching black male rapists of white women was as much about controlling the sexuality of white women as it was about controlling the sexuality of black men. Racist white patriarchs we're recreating the slave era all over again, making it illicit for white women to cohabitate with black men in the same time as racist white and black men were raping black women. And the slave era remains amid the horror, um, the horror cries of race 
pride drowning out the cries of sexual of sexual assault. And so I wrote in the, in the margin, everyone is negatively impacted by white supremacy. No one it leaves white systems of white supremacy unscathed. Even um, this president that you that seems to be so powerful and he's doing and he's being allowed to do some really horrible things. There's no way you can tell me, and this is not me empathizing. I could care less about this dude. He can drop off the face of the earth because he is, he is, but he's the walking, talking epitome of what white supremacy is on the 10th degree. He's not holding back anything, but you cannot tell me that this is a happy person. You cannot tell me that he has a happy family. You cannot tell me that he's not dealing with daddy issues and all these other stuff. You cannot tell me any of that. You cannot tell me that he has a healthy psyche or, or, or any of the things that he is fully enjoying what he's doing at the expense of other things. He is not a whole happy human being. No, there's no way. Um, Still on page 190, male resistance to black feminism in intersectional theory has been similarly self-destructive, preventing resistors from understanding our specific oppression. The intersection of racism and sexism in some cases oppresses men of color. Black men reinforce oppressive tropes by reinforcing certain sexist ideas. For example, sexist notions of real men as strong and racist notions of black men as not really men intersect to produce a gender racism of the weak black man inferior to the pinnacle of manhood, the strong white man. Sexist notions of man of men is more naturally dangerous than women since women are considered naturally fragile in need of protection. Oh, my God. And we see this with white women. The racist notion of black men as more dangerous than white men intersect to produce the gender racism of hyper dangerous black men, more dangerous than white men and the black woman and the pinnacle innocent, fertile, uh, the white woman. Um, no defense is stronger than the frail tears of innocent white womanhood. Good God almighty. That can cut you like a knife. No prosecution is stronger than the case of the inherently guilty black man. White women get away with murder and black men spend years in prison for wrongful convictions. A theory for black women is a theory for humanity. No wonder black feminists have been saying from the beginning that when humanity becomes serious about the freedom of black women, humanity becomes serious about the freedom of humanity. And this is why I say over and over again that black women are the moral compass of this country. Black women are the moral compass of this country. Black women are the moral compass of this country. We are here at so many intersections of the bullshit um, that historically and to current day, um, and we have a perspective, a lived experience, that if feminism were not centered on whiteness and if anti-racism wasn't fit um, or racial issues weren't um, um, centered on maleness or the black male, we would all get there because we have a different perspective. But um, you see it um, in a lot of ways how white supremacy has used white women and black men um, as tools of oppression for black women. So um, I just want you to think about that. And I really want you to think about, because a lot of you spout these tropes on, you know, line, hashtag, hashtag vote like black women, hashtag listen to black women, hashtag this black, 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 all, all black women. I need you to understand how parasitic and disgusting it is when I see that. I'm going to let you, if you're not a black person, a black woman who's saying that, 
I really feel you are is so disgusting to see you do that, particularly if you have done nothing to support the work of black women except for retweeting or if you have not financially done anything to support the work that they're doing to protect them um, both online and off the fact that you feel the the gall to do that it's no different to me than than you appropriating any of our culture or um, doing braids and calling them box braids as if they're new or blackface I don't see a difference um, so I need you to think about that. I need you to think about, um, seriously think about, um, and we just went through this with, uh, Kamala Harris leaving the, um, the, the election or leaving the campaign trail, not because she was not qualified, but because she could not raise money as a black woman. And also because, um, we want to pivot away from the fact that, um, Everybody has had campaign bumps because that's what happens in the campaigns. You have to shift and, 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 and uh, pivot. But she has been the one who um, we have a candidate who fucking had a heart attack. <laughs> we have a candidate who says racist shit damn near every day. Both of the old dudes and well and um, bit it, um, and, and the young boy. Um, but no one talks about them as badly as um, Kamala. And I, I'm going to leave you with this point. Because when all this stuff came out the week before she um, left the election about her campaign and the resignation letter of the of the white woman, the young white woman, because a whiteness has to be cast in the role of hero or victim. It can never be villain. Um, she puts out this this scathing um, editorial, this edit, this this um, resignation letter about why she's leaving the campaign. But then she goes over to uh, Bloomberg's campaign, the, the rich white uber rich white guy. So it, it, it because she, it, it wouldn't, it, it, the narrative wouldn't have worked if she just would have left because people would have been like, Oh, she a traitor. So she had to shift it to make herself a victim or hero and not the villain. So I need you to think about all those times you do that and all the ways you discount and discredit and harm black women, the black, very black women that you know will save your political party, um, that, you know, are consistent that you know when you have need a shoulder to cry on when you need they will give you that last dollar but the shit that you do to throw us under the bus time and time again i need you to sit with that so thank you and have a wonderful day thanks for listening to this special episode of the hashtag called the scene podcast I would like once again to give thanks to the author of How to Be an Anti-Racist, Professor Ibram X. Kendi. Learn more about his work at his website at ibramxkendi.com. Please consider becoming an individual sponsor of the Hashtag Call the Scene movement by visiting the website at hashtagcallthescene.com. On behalf of everyone here at Hashtag Call the Scene, we'd like to thank you again for listening to today's show and have a wonderful day.